The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone, goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again! Platoon, present cell phone. High Five! High Five! Casino! Casino! Win at High Five Casino! High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tired of routine Walgreens trips? Get rewarded for shopping with Drop. With Drop, you can earn free gift cards on groceries, gas, and more. Download Drop now and use code DROP55 to get $5 in points. Join Drop today. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. Give your glucose alerts and readings from the G7. Do not match symptoms or expectations. Use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined with our super producer, Paul, Mission Control Deccan. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. That makes this stuff they don't want you to know. For some of our longtime listeners, this may be a familiar topic. You see, way, way back in the olden days when stuff they don't want you to know was purely a video show on YouTube, Amazon, and iTunes which is Apple Music now, right? Yes, but mostly the YouTubes. Yeah, way back in the day, this show was entirely a video series, and we covered all sorts of bizarre and strange events. Uh, The videos were much shorter. Mm -hmm. Um, They were more like introduction episodes or primers for things that we would invite people to examine in depth on their own. Yeah, they they looked... A lot better than the podcast. <laughs> they did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And mad genius Matt Frederick well, was uh, creating some stunning visuals. I was just saying mostly because your, your face was on it for most of the time, Ben. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Anyone who hasn't beheld the majesty that is the face of Ben Bolin, yeah. it is a thing to behold. It's like speaking to you through the internet. Yeah. Uh, all mm. all four of us are lookers. And uh, I think the th- the three of us all appear at some point in that video series. Uh, Paul... Mission Control Deccant did not, to my knowledge. Uh, yes, he did. He did? Which, mm-hmm. one, which, which one is he on? There's a video. Oh, gosh, it's from – it's the neuromarketing video, I want to say. Mm-hmm. No, wait. Is it not? It's not neuromarketing. It's one where you're trying to find me and I'm in a sleeping bag. Oh, and yes. we walk past Paul's desk and Paul is sitting there with Annie next to him, another producer here, uh, and – uh, gosh, she's not a producer anymore. Ah, I'm so sorry. She's the host of Saver and the host of Sminty. That's right. Stuff Whoa. mom never told you. See, that's how long we've been here doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, Annie and Paul and me, we were just producers, man. That's what we did. This was a buckhead. Uh, first off, I object to saying just producers. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, this was back in our uh, buckhead days when we were in a different office, right? I remember yeah. that video. Yeah, but see, now what, I'm, what I mean by that is that mm-hmm. now Paul has been on Movie Crush recently mm-hmm. talking about movies. Mm-hmm. Paul is, Paul is going to be starting his own podcast really soon. It's called uh, The, the Decant 
Schmeckend? No. The decadent second. second. No, the decadent second. second. That's yeah. what it is. And it's yeah. only one second long each episode. Uh, it's also, guys, just on the marketing end of that, uh, we would prefer in messaging that you refer to it as a Paul cast. Yeah, it's a Paul cast. <laughs> so, so, okay. Uh, mystery solved. At least one mystery solved for today's episode. We have all four appeared on the videos. If you watched the videos series, then you would have probably run into something that was very mysterious to us, a walnut that we could not quite crack in video format. We looked at an organization called the Finders. The Finders were um, involved in an incident that shocked the United States in the late 80s and then largely disappeared from the news. So the, the best way, I think, to delve into this very, very strange organization is to start with that event that made national news. Here are the facts. On February 8th, 1987, the New York Times ran uh, an odd article. It was a report on six children who were found in a Tallahassee playground earlier that week on February 5th. And, you know, that's okay. There are six children found on a playground. That's a little weird to begin with. But it gets much stranger. Right. It does. Uh, according to an anonymous phone call to the local police department, uh, these kids aged two to seven years old were not alone. They were accompanied by two well-dressed men in their mid to late 20s, a guy named Douglas Edward Zimmerman and a guy named Michael Houlihan, which I, I think that's just a fun last name to say or have. Oh, yeah. Houlihan. So, so you've got these two – uh, again, according to this caller, well-dressed gentlemen, well-dressed men standing there with these kids. The kids, however, they look unkempt. They uh, look to be just dirty and in some way, again, to this caller, somehow injured or abused. And the the first reports noted that at least two of the kids exhibited some signs of sexual abuse. Now, that's a tough thing in my mind to quantify just by a visual Sure. Um, but uh, who knows the circumstances there? You'd ideally want a medical professional to examine the children, like yeah. a doctor. Because that's a heavy a th- accusation. Yeah, or a therapist. It doesn't seem like something you could easily profile. So we have a lot of details about the men. They were either in a 1979 or 1980 blue Dodge van with Virginia plates, uh, the license number, which we could tell you now uh, because this was back in the 80s. It's XHW557. And who knows where that license plate is now if it's been reused? Mm-hmm. Uh, good. I uh, hope it's not yours. Yeah, or I definitely hope it's not someone's idea of a nifty vanity plate. Yeah. So – Inside this van, things become more distressing. The van smells terrible. It's filled with maps, books, letters. There's a mattress in the rear of the van. And the police, based on the appearance of this vehicle, got the feeling that all eight people, the six kids and the two adults, were living in it and had been for some time. So these guys, who, to be clear, are not the parents of any of these children, they get arrested. They get booked into the Leon County Jail. They get charged with multiple counts of child abuse. Yeah, and once they're in custody, the men um, were somewhat evasive in their responses to the police in terms of the children and their relationship with them and said only that they were the children's teachers and that they were all en route to Mexico to create uh, a school for gifted children. Brilliant even. And at that point, the uh, the police say, OK, well, that's an interesting story. We don't know if it all adds up. We're going to go ahead and remove these kids from your care. Uh, and then they tried or they started the process of, at least of trying to identify these children. Like, mm-hmm. if, this, if these guys are supposedly teachers, where are their parents? <laughs> right, right. So we're going to play around with the chronology just a little bit and let you know, spoiler alert, that on March 17th, of that same year, 1987, the charges against the men were entirely dismissed and they were released from custody. This is only the beginning of the story. As it turns out, these two gentlemen were not acting alone. They were members of a group, a commune of sorts, an organization that some would call a cult. And this would come to be known as the Finders. 
The mothers of those six children were also affiliated with this organization, and they came forward to the public through a spokesperson, Diane Sherwood, uh, confirming that they had approved this trip and that the two men were taking the kids camping and everybody would be meeting up with the mothers at a later date. Furthermore, the spokesperson confirmed that the mothers would now be traveling to Tallahassee to pick up their children. So thus far, we've got we're teachers taking them to Mexico to start a new school. For brilliant children. (laughs) And now we've got the mothers coming forward through a spokesperson saying, no, 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 no. That's not what happened. They were going on a camping trip. Mm -hmm. Those guys were just... You know, I guess the chaperones. Maybe not mutually exclusive, but it is weird that the stories already don't seem to jibe in a waterproof way. So initial reports in various papers of note from the Chicago Tribune to the New York Times, the Washington Post, and more, implied that this was a case of everything from a mundane kidnapping to possibly human trafficking to ellipses, dot, 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 a cult. Now, this this is not a particularly uncommon story in the 1980s because this occurs at the height of what is called the satanic panic in American culture. And during this time, largely in the 80s, but a little bit out in the 90s and 70s as well, there are numerous serious allegations of cults conducting satanic rituals, abusing, sacrificing, or kidnapping children, um, and murdering people left and right. These proliferate throughout the national zeitgeist. Some of us listening may be old enough to remember this, but if you were born after this time, it's a Google search away. These are the days when uh, various rock bands would be accused of encoding satanic messages onto their records in some kind of Rube Goldberg-esque complicated plan to convert people to the um, to the infernal powers of darkness. Yeah, even uh, the the Zodiac case, mm. Geraldo Rivera, and one of his shows he was making at the time turned that into a satanic panic thing. Like it was all about Satan and all of the symbols and everything. Mm -hmm. And and it's crazy to think like, especially Geraldo and some of these talk shows, that's where I generally have memories of seeing that kind of interview with somebody like, oh, you were abused uh, by a satanic cult. Mm -hmm. You sacrificed your own children. Like what? And that (laughs) other guy uh, with the white hair, what was Donahue? Donahue. Philly Donahue. Yeah. I remember – I barely remember that show, but he was he was active in this stuff as well. And while the idea of Satanism or the misconception of what Satanism is, what would be called deistic Satanism, which we don't have to get into today, but it's, it's different. Um, while that gets top billing in, in the marquee of this cultural phenomenon, the big concern was any kind of cult, a pagan – by which they meant non-Christian religious organization. And a lot of these things were used as smear tactics against people that were unusual or Mm -hmm. groups that were unorthodox. But here's the thing. In the case of the finders, these accusations may have been more accurate than not. So that sounds intense. When are we going to find out about that? After a quick word from our sponsor. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of 1 carat plus and receive a free natural 1 carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? 
With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Here's where it gets crazy. The investigation continues, and it gets more and more complicated and strange, and eventually it goes sour. So let's go back to February of 1987. So in the course of verifying the identities and the stories of the men who were arrested uh, in Florida, police traced this cult to uh, Virginia and Washington, D.C., where they also obtained a warrant to search several buildings that were believed to be occupied by this group. Uh, Originally, the Post, the Washington Post, reported that police found thousands of photos and documents and uh, computer programs at these various locations, they hoped that analyzing these would give them what they needed, what they hoped to learn to help them decide what exactly the finder's organization was. And we have a quote from that Washington Post article. It says uh, they, quote, removed large plastic bags filled with color slides, photographs, and photographic contact sheets. Some photos visible through the bag carried from the warehouse at 1307 4th Street, Uh, were wallet-sized pictures of children similar to school photos and some were of naked children. Here's a continuing quote here. D.C. police sources said that some of the items seized yesterday showed pictures of children engaged in what appeared to be cult rituals. Officials of the U.S. Customs Service called in to aid in the investigation said that the material seized includes photos showing children involved in bloodletting ceremonies of animals and one photograph of a child in chains. Customs officials said they were looking into whether a child pornography operation was being conducted. It was very, very heavy stuff. In Yeah, and again, this is the Washington Post. This is not uh, some tabloid where you would see the satanic panic uh, accusations a lot of the time. Right. This is not Weekly World News or the yeah. National Enquirer. According to the records from the U.S. District Court in Washington, a confidential police source had previously told authorities back in 86 that the finders were, quote, a cult and they were conducting brainwashing operations at this warehouse and then at a duplex in the Glover Park neighborhood. The source told the police, that they had been recruited by the finders with promises of financial reward and sexual gratification, and that they were invited by at least one member to explore Satanism with them. And then, according to the affidavit, the same source told authorities that children were used in rituals by the members, and the source did say they had never witnessed abuse of the children, but that the children's grandparents feared for their safety. Oh, wow. So it seems as though the parents had gotten involved in the cult itself and the children were just kind of, um, you know, they were victims Mm -hmm. of uh, association. Many, as we'll come to find, were born into the organization. Oh, boy. But while we're on the subject of those six kids, why don't we learn a little bit more about them? So in the original reports, um, the kids were described as being hungry, dirty, and under duress of some kind, irritated a little bit. Behaving erratically somewhat. Uh, But a local doctor who examined them said that none of the children were actually ill. Uh, None seemed to recognize objects, though, like typewriters or staplers. Um, Though most of the kids wouldn't really talk to the police, the oldest child was able to do that a little bit more effectively. Um, She confirmed that she and the other children had lived in Washington, D.C. in a house, a group house, that the men were their teachers and that while living in this house in D.C., they received instructions from a man called the Game Caller or Game Leader. 
God, this has got some like True Detective season three vibes. It, it really does, doesn't it? Government, time. government name of this guy is Marion Petty. Oh, yeah. So uh, the kids said that Mr. Petty, quote, tells everyone what to do. He's in charge. We kids slept outside and the mommies slept inside. Mr. Petty, and I, I find this to be an odd thing for a kid to say, but it sounds – like they almost had their own way of talking from this isolation they experienced. Uh, Mr. Petty weans the kids from the moms. Mm. Mm. And this man, police would come to find, was named Marion Petty. He was known by various monikers in the group. Uh, He was called the stroller or the game caller or the game leader. And the neighbors of these D.C. locations were conflicted in their descriptions of the finders. Some described the group as an out-and-out cult. They said that only women and children live on these premises. Uh, Male members of the cult visit them frequently and the adults are leftover hippies. And they don't really seem to care what the kids do or what happens. I mean, these kids were so dirty that they were prevented on from playing on playgrounds in the area with other children because Jeez. they had sores. They were covered in filth. Ugh. But another individual who had um, been associated with them in years past, not as a member, he described the group as close-knit feminist. And they said they're not a cult. They're all helping people, helping folks in the community. And we see this contradictory information make it to the press, too. By February 11th of 87, the media had alternately described the group as a satanic cult, a group of merry pranksters, kind of electric Kool-Aid acid test style, gone too far off the rails, or a group of accomplished academics that were simply immersed in a 20-year-old social experiment. Talk about a longitudinal study. Yeah. Oh man. See, I, I like that one. That you one. Like that, that one. That one makes everything okay to me, as long as uh, they're actually not hurting the kids. But it sounds like they were. I at guess least neglecting them. When you say social experiment, it's such a broad thing. Yeah, like, but at least you'd get something out of it. I guess stuff they don't want you to know is social experiment. You know what? You're right. It is a social experiment, no matter what. <laughs> with with 100 percent guaranteed no abuse. Luckily, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right. So. There's another aspect to the closure of this investigation. This is a seed we want to plant. Rumors circulated that after U.S. Customs got involved in the case, which we'll explore in a moment, uh, the CIA or another intelligence agency stopped the investigation and claimed it had become an internal matter for the agency. And this – this rumor was later confirmed to be true from U.S. Customs reports themselves, primary sources. So let's hold that in our minds for a moment yeah. and let's explore the mysterious man known as Marion Petty, alternately known as M.D. Petty, the game caller, as you said, Noel, the stroller, the game leader, the pathfinder, and the student. He was the leader of the finders group from the 1960s to his death around 2003. And it appears that he would send members of the finders on various projects and referred to these projects as games. There's a book by a former member of the organization called The Game Caller, which you can find online. And according to this book, Petty had an extremely tight grip on the dynamics of the organization. Former members felt that this man could truly see into their souls, sort of a metaphysical X-ray vision with his knowledge of Eastern mysticism and his concepts of a new age of living. So in a way, they did have, um, I guess, some some feminist architecture to their thought process. They believed that women, never men, should initiate relationships because Petty told them so and that children should be raised, quote, like Indians on the plains, strong and tough. They wanted independent thinkers, right? Not somebody yeah. just parroting multiplication tables or capitals of states. But in reality, what this turned out, uh, what this ultimately um, resulted in was a situation wherein children would be raised communally, but taking care of the kids was considered uh, the grunt work. Yeah. So a lot of people would say, you know, you you would feel like everybody's having a party, but you're the one stuck washing the dishes, which is not the way you should think about child care. No. 
It is just from experience. It's the way it feels sometimes. Sometimes it feels that way. But uh, you're absolutely right. That is not how it should be viewed. I need you to watch the kid because I'm going out to the discotheque. Oh, you're going to the discotheque again? There's a panic at the disco. Okay, fine. There's no panic at the disco. Everyone's (laughs) chill at the disco. There's a panic at the disco. Someone watch the kid for me. Well, you guys go have your exciting chill panic, and I'm just going to play Silly Beast for hours on end. I like chill panic. That that sounds – that feels like a very British emotion. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Uh, So it's it's true, though. This – this group experimented with the concept of communal uh, parenting, for lack of a better phrase, and interviews with former members and associates of the group um, led law enforcement to believe that at its peak, there were around 40 or so followers, actual longtime followers, because this this group did practice an open house kind of thing where you could walk in from any background right any socioeconomic status demographic former job whatever you could go in there and hang out with them uh, a lot of people we would find were turned off by this because the finders emphasized doing work playing their games as the game caller uh directed them and staying away from drugs so someone was living on the fringe living on the grift they go in to get some free food and then they're like wait i can't even do mushrooms here? <laughs> like, no, and you have to participate in our conversations about uh, social constructs. Ugh. I know. That sounds like a real bummer <laughs> cult. Yeah. Get me out of here. I'll take Manson any day. That's it's apparently that's that's not an infrequent occurrence. Well, yeah, and the other thing is the the complexity of their, I guess, overall belief system seemed to also turn off some people, right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh it's weird because there wasn't really an introductory course. You're, yeah. You're just in media rest. You're in the middle of the story, you know. There's no Dianetics. There's no Dianetics. It's straight to cleaning out the Thetans. <laughs> Can we say that? Yeah, of course. Where is David Miscavige's wife? Ah, uh, man, I swear I saw her. I don't know. Hmm. We should yeah. ask David. That's we, should, a, we should ask the finders. Maybe they, they're, that's their That's – you're right. That's their shtick, that's right? Their they're thing. finding stuff. Yeah. Uh, but seriously, is she okay? Probably not. Hmm. She's likely in a ditch somewhere or like a quarry. Well, according to LAPD, uh, Shelly Miscavige was contacted years ago and said that she was fine. Yeah, she did. That's, she said that's, she was fine. That's according to the Los Angeles Police Department. And it's true that the finders did have, as you said, Matt, this very complex uh, belief system that was pretty intimidating to – new members or would-be initiates. And at this time, 1987, uh, the game leader is about 66 years old and reportedly has a tuneful southern accent, which I thought you would appreciate, Matt. Oh, <laughs> that's great. He's very much a yaller. Oh, uh, man. Wait, do you think he was the Zodiac? I don't know. No, dog, that's Ted Cruz. Oh, he's in Tennessee. All right, we're good. He must be too. He was probably pretty busy, but maybe he sent other people out. I mean, what is a game? Have you guys gotten to the part in Monster where it's Ted Cruz yet? Yeah, sorry, spoilers. We're we're gonna talk about Jeez, that. Jeez, man, you are gonna talk about that? That's the finale. That's All like right. the end of Usual Suspects. We yeah, shouldn't, we shouldn't mention that. We really shouldn't. I mean, gosh, the guy was born in 1970, so you gotta listen to the show, folks. It's free wherever you find your favorite podcast. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Smooth plug. <laughs> Smooth plug. So. Speaking of these strange arcane things, right, these communities on the fringe, uh, these bizarre theories, right? The Ted Cruz thing is, you know, at this point, a theory. Sure. Despite the overwhelming mass of evidence. Yes, but despite the inability via time. Okay. All right, man. I'll play your reindeer games. <laughs> But off air. Okay. <laughs> so. it, it, uh, only could he be the Zodiac Killer if he was killing people before he was even conceived. Or if there were more than one killer. <gasps> so you mean he came along, was born, and then within his first year, killed someone? No, someone taught him what to do. Oh, look. Sort of like the Wait. monkey in that Edgar Allan Poe story. Yeah, there we go. Murders only, in the room. Only, only a baby. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, so he went through time, uh-huh. was taught how to murder prior to be, be you know, getting into this plane of existence. No. So we're saying? Matt, no, look, I know that it must be irritating <laughs> to you to hear to hear us uh, tell you tell you of all people about the Zodiac murders. But as we talked about off air, yeah. as, the, as the three of us talked about off air, Ted Cruz's birthday is allegedly <sighs> after the first two murders. Okay, so again, let's say he was born. Five years before the murders. Why did I? What, what, what did I do? What did He's I do? a five-year-old killing a cab driver named Paul Stein. Like I said, with a pistol. Murders of the Rue Morgue style. He was taught as a baby. You can teach a baby to kill. <laughs> Babies are done. smart, man. Why are you being anti-baby? Do you think <laughs> children are dumb? <laughs> I just have a feeling that Brian Hartnell or somebody would have been like, yeah, that that. Kid wearing the big Zodiac mask, the executioner's hood thing. Sure. This is the biggest kid I've ever seen. Well, also, going back to the idea of there being more than one killer, how do you know it was not three or four babies stacked? Mm. Yeah, okay, you know, I didn't I didn't take that into account. <laughs> like wearing a trench coat? Yeah, yeah. but now, now I'm – now if I'm being completely objective and treating this with the seriousness it deserves – you go to the question of the arms because surely someone would have reported the baby arm. He would have been called the baby arm killer. <laughs> and it, well, you know, it, this it, is all does, getting cut, it does account for the handwriting. It does account for the handwriting. Uh, it looks um, like a child. I know this is a little bit of a tangent. Seriously. This is possibly the biggest tangent we've ever gone on. Okay. Oh, no, no. I don't know. We've had some epic ones, but I do want to say in all sincerity, it's a great show and do check it out if you have a chance. Uh, it is not, Filled with uh, our terrible jokes about baby. About Texas U.S. Senator Ted Cruz, (laughs) who should be respected. That man deserves your respect. (laughs) That's right. He He deserves your vote. He is an elected official. My favorite uh, conspiracy theory about um, Ted Cruz is that he is Eddie Munster as an adult. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. So – Getting getting yeah. back to uh, getting back to the finders, where did this thing come from? Okay, because some of us may have noticed that I slipped in one very important detail, which is that this organization dates back to the 1960s, and the commune evolved with uh, things like the human potential movement of the 1970s. It had this huge emphasis on shedding inhibitions and delusions. And most of the people who talked about the Finders cult at the time were former members and they wanted to be anonymous because they were either – apparently they were either embarrassed about being associated with the group or they were frightened of the possible reactions from people who were still in the Finders organization. And um, it was described as a 24-hour – 365-day-a-year training group for games. And this is according to a guy who knew people in the organization for years but was not ever himself actually in it. He said it was like people who go to an institute for a weekend, but this was for a year or a lifetime, and these games were always changing. I want to know more about the games. Yes, we will. Oh, man, you will be sick of the games uh, in a few minutes. It sounds like a D&D boot camp. Or a, yeah, never-ending LARP. Yeah, exactly. Right? So because of these games or these projects, it was often tough for people outside of the group to know when the members were being sincere or when they were playing out some strange Discordian, uh, for fans of the Illuminatus trilogy, Discordian uh, social experiment mm-hmm. or their fantasy, you know? And... There's another complication because according to the game caller himself, the stroller, the student, the group doesn't exist. Yes, you see, there's no such thing as the finders. It's just a group. It's a term for people who like to hang around me. Ooh. Ooh. I have a question. Sure. Mm -hmm. In all seriousness, um, if you recruit someone to join the finders cult, do you get a finders fee? (laughs) I feel like you're joking. <laughs> yes, I am joking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was 
I mean, it's a good question. No, it's it's a dumb question. But uh, no, that's crazy. Is that where is this quote from? It's what? from <laughs> Marion Petty. He said the fighters group doesn't exist. There's just there's a, just a group of people who think I'm cool. That's that hang out with literally me. what it is, though. You just described yeah, that's yeah, yeah. what the, the the cult is. Yeah, he's at the center of a group that liked of people that like to hang out with him. That's what a cult leader is. So <laughs> that leads us to our next question: Is this in fact a cult? We'll find out right after a word from our sponsor. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com consulting. IBM. Let's create. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're back. Okay, so it's been a little bit tedious, I think, at times for, at least on my part, to keep saying the organization yeah. or the group. But that's because information about this group was originally contradictory and it remains so today. It is true that police did find photos of group members and their children wearing white robes while slaughtering goats at the group's farm in Virginia. But, <laughs> however, supporters and critics of the group alike now agree that these strange rites were an example of Petty's love for playing games rather than an expression of pagan beliefs. And I want to see what you guys think of this explanation. So a former member of the Finders, who again asked to be anonymous, explained the uh, famous thing that they refer to internally as Goatgate as occurring because of this reason. Those goats were vicious. The group decided to eat them rather than keep them as pets. To then create a dramatic scene with robes and so on was to impress upon the kids the seriousness of killing an animal. Huh. Huh. <laughs> right? that's, what I, <laughs> that's just that's like, what, that's, that's sort of one of those going around your b-hole to get to your c-hole kind of situations, you know? <laughs> no? <laughs> the old b-hole to the c-hole? Yeah. Um, it's interesting, though, to me. I find something in that to be almost genuine. Really? Like, yeah, killing a goat. You don't think that's sort of like the dude from Arrested Development who, like, always has, like, the missing arm and they yeah. use him to teach a lesson? Yeah. You don't think that's just comical in its, like, extremity to teach such a simple lesson? Well, I could see that it is, but I, I, I see that for sure. But I also see uh, the, you know, the ancient practice of killing animals for our food that humans have been doing since we've been able to carry a weapon or even, you know, attack something with, with our bare hands. Sure. Um, knowing that, it, at least knowing that this thing has life and it is giving us further life, that's that old, old, old belief. I can imagine trying to honor that in some way if you truly are going to kill one of these goats. 
uh, that you've had on your property, on your farm or wherever it is that you're existing, um, trying to impart that knowledge, that ancient knowledge onto these children mm -hmm. uh, by having a ceremony, I could see that thinking. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think the way they explain it sounds oh, uh, contradictory. Like, absolutely. What was that? You know, it sounds like they're going from their B-hole to get to their C-hole, but also sounds like they're being a bit A-hole about it. You know, yeah, because there there are easier ways to explain that. As Patch Adams, the American physician, uh, points out, he he knew Marion Petty pretty well. Um, there's another phrase for this, and it's not it's not a satanic ritual. It's farming. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's ranching. Wait a minute, yeah. Patch Adams? It was this guy's buddy, as portrayed by Robin Williams mm -hmm. in the delightful children's film, The That's Red Noses. Right. Yeah, Hunter Doherty Patch Adams. I can't. We, I feel like we buried the lead on this. <laughs> this is crazy. He just has some input on it. All yeah. right. Uh, primarily because he thought the press was getting carried away with their reporting of this due to that aforementioned satanic panic. So he came to his aid in some respects. Well, yeah, and, when asked about it, yeah, and helped the kids. Hopefully. Well, that's right. That I don't know. I know. I don't. I don't want to gamble on on speculation there. Just I, saying, I don't know. It would be nice, Patch Adams. Jeez, it would be nice, Doctor Adams. Um, but here's the thing: you'll notice that we're we're adding stuff in defense of this group, and then we're saying "but also." Yeah. we're just alternating back and forth. So here's our new "but also." It turns out the finders had a history of run-ins with the law, and multiple times. Yeah. Uh, there was a former Finders member who said that members of the group used uh, calls, like I guess a cold call of some sorts and letters in a campaign you could call harassment against Arling Arlington County Juvenile Court Judge Andrew Ferrari, awesome name, in 1983 when uh, Ferrari ruled that a child of the former uh, member should be separated from the family and placed in a group home. So the the whole thing came about when – uh, I guess a child was going to be taken away from the group, right? Mm -hmm. And this guy Ferrari was like, yeah, that's that's what we should do. Ferrari said that he received calls at his office and his home from several members of the group. We're talking about the finders here. And uh, these members would argue that the child was being in some way deprived of his freedom. And, you know, it, in a way, I guess, kind of – that kind of is happening. But it's the um, – it's the job a lot of times of these courts to make sure that the child's best interest is thought of, right? And not mm -hmm. of the family and this whole concept of depriving the child of his freedom. Uh, but anyway, the, the judge said, they didn't threaten me. The attitude was, uh, how could you be so unconstitutional? Which, again, like, almost has a point. Again, that's not illegal either, you know, to express your dislike or your disagreement with a, a particular policy or a case decision. However, it uh, it is harassment at or, that yeah, level. It could be harassment if it was on the level that occurred here. Mm -hmm. And the explanation from the finders is not particularly satisfactory because in some cases they tried to say that they were using humor uh, as a, as an approach. They have an emphasis on stuff that they consider humorous, which I don't think a lot of people would uh, agree with, mm. but but be that as it may, they did they did have a harassment campaign with that one guy, Judge Ferrari. Uh, they also had another case in Culpeper, Virginia. A lawyer obtained a court order preventing the finders from harassing him about a divorce case uh, because he when he represented a former member during that case. The lawyer's name was John Davies. Said the finders had really freaked him out using letters and phone calls. Then there was a third case where a, another former member of the group said his tires were slashed after he broke up with the their whole shenanigan. He quit the game. Colts don't take kindly to being broken up with. Yeah. Sort of like leaving the mob or something, you know. Yeah. Always a member. Mhm. Mm or, or or not. Ever? I, uh, I mean, you can you the door is always open one way, right? Or like go. the Hotel California, like exactly, you say, yeah. yeah. But one member 
described this as less of a cult and more of an organization that started for dropout professionals who just didn't know what to do with their lives. He said, I've got my job, I've got my, my spouse, my 2.5 kids, and I see the rest of my life playing out in a very predictable way. I'm not happy. Let me go do something else. But according to this member, as utopian as this original ideal was, it eventually soured and the organization took a bad turn in the early 1980s. There was a person who was a second-in-command of the group named Barbara Sylvester, and when she was in her 40s in 1980s, she died at the finder's house after she did not receive any medical assistance for appendicitis, and this apparently made the student, the game-caller, um, very gloomy, and there was a shift, a fundamental shift in the tone of the group. So the finders became increasingly secretive and hostile and arrogant toward um, outsiders, non-members, and that's according to some former associates. Uh, members engaged in long self-criticism sessions, uh, exposing painful emotional inadequacies to the group. Members even cut themselves off from seeing relatives and friends, which is typical cult-like behavior, um, and former associates found themselves shunned or treated uh, brusquely if they left the group. Mm -hmm. Like we said, it's very hard to extricate yourself from these kind of situations. You get treated brusquely now. Brusquely. That's not nice. That's your vocabulary word for the day. It is. I mean, it basically means they were a little short with you. That's right. You know, communicating in just monosyllabic texts, like with an angry girlfriend. <laughs> or they were terse. That was another version. Ooh, yeah. Very nice. Yeah, it's true. And that's something that's unfortunately common in a lot of a lot of groups that people would describe as cults. And in some groups it would be considered more mainstream religions. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're out you are no longer part of the society and you are treated as an outsider. You are but a squirrel. Oh, nice. I see your reference. We're, we are doing pretty well with these callbacks and references here. I, you know, if you, if you were catching some of those things we're throwing. Yeah, I'm really know, hoping. We, we appreciate it. <laughs> so, so let's look at the problem of child abuse. Was this a series of genuine events or was this a um, another victim of the moral panic that was paralyzing the U.S. at the time? There are abuse allegations and the core of these abuse allegations can be traced back to the, uh, some of those U.S. customs documents, one filed by Ramon J. Martinez. He says – there's a long passage here that we can paraphrase. He says that he – was able to execute a warrant at one of their houses and upon execution of that warrant, he had the run of the entire building. He found several people on the premises but only one was definitely connected with the finders. The other people were just sort of layabouts. And he found a room equipped with several computers, printers and tons of documents and paperwork uh, and – Here's what he said he found in the paperwork. Quote, cursory examination of the documents revealed detailed instructions for obtaining children for unspecified purposes. The instructions included the impregnation of female members of the community known as the finders, purchasing children, trading, and kidnapping children. Uh... That's not all they found. They also found telex messages using MCI account numbers between a computer terminal that was believed to be located in the same room and others across the country and in foreign nations. One of these telexes, again, this is according to Martinez, specifically ordered the purchase of two children in Hong Kong to be arranged through a contact with the Chinese embassy. MCI, by the way, was an old telecom company. Does anybody remember MCI out yeah, there don't, listening? Don't they make uh, uh, ATMs? I don't know. They used to. Oh, yeah. They went away and I think – No, I'm thinking of NCR. Ah. That's not the same as MCI. No. NCR is still around and they make, uh, they make automatic teller machines. That's what ATM stands for. <laughs> yeah. They were um, – yeah, they, they were involved in the 
regulatory changes that led to the breakup of AT&T. That's right. Right? That's right. And uh, forever, no matter how long NCR is an actual company, it will always stand for New California Republic uh, for – in my mind because of the Fallout series. Noted. Anyway. Yes, Noted. you should know that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love the Fallout callbacks. What a great game. So I know several of us listening are, are saying, hey, this is not the Mandela effect. You did mention that the CIA apparently closed down the investigation. Yeah, this is correct. Are the finders um, – are the finders an organization that is associated with intelligence and espionage and spycraft and psyops? And purchasing children? And human trafficking, yeah. This is a fairly common allegation we run into with a lot of splinter religious or spiritual movements like Jim Jones and the People's Temple, right? Yeah. There's, there's some very strange governmental connections there. In the case of the finders – we initially would say, why would the CIA become involved with some fringe commune group? The answer to that is pretty apparent, especially if it's a product of the 1960s and 70s. They were concerned about possible disruptions to the status quo. And this – look, this sounds like crazy Big Brother stuff that happened with COINTELPRO. It sounds distant, like it's a footnote in the recent past. But people are being tracked by the government for being vegan now. It's like William Faulkner said, the past isn't over. It's not even past. We are living through the same things. It's just a matter of time before a lot of that stuff gets declassified. So it's not crazy that the CIA would show interest in some fringe commune group. According to Petty, government investigators tailed him for at least four years back in the 1960s. At first, they thought maybe he was a big-time drug dealer not because he was around a lot of drugs, but because he never actually used any drugs. And so they thought, you know, Heisenberg style, the legit people don't mess with their own product, right? Yeah, and they're doing some weird things. These people seem so odd. And how are they subsisting? Must mm -hmm. be drugs. Yeah, and then they decided if it's not drugs, he must be an active front operation for the CIA, so the CIA got contacted. They ran his name through a database and they said, nope, he's not one of ours. And this irritated the heck out of the investigators. According to Petty, one of the investigators said, you know, I've been working on you for four years and I can't figure out what you're doing. What the hell are you doing? I'm playing some games there, detective. Just playing some games. Mr. Spy Man. Bit of a cat and mouse kind of situation. <laughs> you know it. I'm just, uh, you know, throwing the dice and see if I can get a critical. <laughs> so, Is that a D&D &D reference? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man. Also known as critting out. Yeah, rolling a 20, baby. Big mm -hmm. crit. Big crit. It's not that always a 20. He is but. named after uh, – <laughs> he has taken that appellation uh, due to his love of D&D. Oh, that's awesome. Most of his songs are metaphors for uh, various D&D situations. I knew it. And all of his albums are based on previous campaigns that he has uh, conducted with his D&D group. I'm just going to believe you. Oh, hey, you know what? You could Google it. No. Yeah, seriously. All right. I'm going to do that right after this. Word from our – oh, no, it's not another sponsor. Okay, let's keep going. Like his 22-track double album, Forever is a Mighty Long Time. Think about it, Matt. Oh, wow. It's a lich king. Yeah, no, I get it. He's talking about being like exiled and, you know, when you're out of play, when you're exiled, you're you're basically off the game board and then you can only be unexiled. You know, it's not like you can come back from the graveyard. Mm -hmm. uh, I get what he's saying. Mm -hmm. The pieces come together. Right. So, so speaking in pieces coming together, Petty was actually asked about this possible CIA connection in one of his rare interviews, and we have his response. I'm going to do my Petty voice. Yeah. But I'm going to do him kind of more like Tom Petty. Oh, do it, do it. No, I'm just kidding. I don't think I can do that. <laughs> Tom Petty's a man of many voices. I love his voice on King of the Hill. R.I.P. Tom Petty, by the way. He seemed like a lovely man. Um, I just kept open house to a lot of the counterintelligence and intelligence people over the years. I've been reported to their security officers probably plenty of times for trying to figure out what's going on in the world. 
I've tried all my life to get behind the scenes in the CIA. I sent my wife in as a spy to spy on the CIA for me. She was very happy about it, happy to tell me everything she found out. She was in a key place, you know, with the records, and she could find out all these things for me. And my son worked for Air America, which was proprietary of the CIA. There was some connections, but not to me personally. I thought Janine Garofalo started Air America. I didn't know she had any CIA ties. Uh, yeah, Air America actually was a uh, front. He got that right. Yeah, that's true. They were responsible for substantial uh, amounts of illegal drugs entering the country. What? Yeah. yeah. You kidding? Yeah, not a radio program or anything. It's a. It was a uh, – Air, a flight company, an airplane trip having company, <laughs> an airline. It was an airline. Oh, I've never heard of it. Well, I'm at sorry. least it was supposedly an airline. Yeah, it was operated from 1950 to 1976 as a CIA front, and they would ferry over drugs uh, and then, you know, black bag, black budget cash. Well, I feel like a fool. <laughs> Thank you guys for for. Uh, point that out. Well, it's <laughs> just it's odd that he has that connection if it's true, and also. Lest I make Air America sound completely like a drug smuggling operation, which it was, arguably is, they also conducted military operations imposed to civilian air carriers. But yes, Air America, it is true. Uh, they were a CIA front. He was aware of it in his interview. And just out and out saying that his son worked for Air America makes me think that it's not true. Yeah. Just to be honest, if was, someone worked – I mean those are federal crimes. Yeah, and he says it as an aside at the end like, oh, yeah, and that happened. And a lot of – and I'm not saying he's a cult leader to be fair, but quite a few cult leaders engage in that sort of tactic, that rhetorical tactic of name-dropping things casually, you know. It's like, well, it's it's like my friend Deepak Chopra always says, you should give me money. You know what I mean? That's yeah. a terrible example, and I'm sure that Deepak Chopra doesn't talk that way. But that's how cult leaders manipulate people. Yeah, he. The, it's a big upping of sorts. Mm -hmm. um, me and my group, we're important. Mm -hmm. We're doing big things. Mm -hmm. But we found out, we found another quote from another writer that showed that uh, uh, maybe this uh, this really is just a bunch of uh, nonsense. Yes. According to Wendell Minnick, the author of Spies and Provocateurs, an encyclopedia of espionage and covert action, the finders would love you to think they're a CIA front, but I would say they're really nothing. You're going to hear a lot of bullshit on the finders because they lie. These are dysfunctional adults, but they're all working their asses off. They're constantly working on some project. If you have a cult, the best way to control people is to keep them busy, which is true, to keep their minds occupied. If you have people standing around doing nothing, then they start thinking. That is so true. Well, it's also true that um, – Petty says that he has intensely studied the CIA. He says that it's it's not that the CIA is working with him or investigating him. It's that he's fascinated by them, which also sounds a little bit self-aggrandizing, right? Yeah. So there, there we have it. This is a weird. This is a weird, weird bag of badgers, and it looks like it's going to disappear from the news because the CIA did shut down the investigation for one reason or another, at least that is until 1993 when the Justice Department says, ah, like six years later. Yeah, and it was because they, they found unresolved matters when uh, in relation to the group, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, this guy, Tom Lewis, who is a representative from Florida, he elaborated, um, could our own government have something to do with this finders organization and turn their backs on these children? That's what all the evidence points to, he went on uh, to say that, and there's a lot of evidence. I can tell you this, we've got a lot of people scrambling and that wouldn't be happening if there was nothing here. And then uh, also, if you look to uh, the U.S. News, this is a this is a source, right? The U.S. News. Uh, mm -hmm. They said that some of the finders, at least according to a source that was in an article in the U.S. News, uh, they said that some of the finders were listed in the FBI's classified counterintelligence files. And then later, all investigations into the finders were ordered stopped by the Justice Department. That's the big player. Um, as the case was determined to pretty much be a national security matter. We've heard that before, right? And uh, 
it was referred back to the CIA again. So that's weird. Right? Also, also, we have to point out the hazard of anonymous sources. Yeah. We've oh, talked yeah. about this in past episodes. Uh, oftentimes, an anonymous source is not what it implies itself to be. Like, for instance, when there's military news from anonymous sources, it's often leaked by the people who are supposed to be uh, keeping that secret because they want to signal something, usually not to the domestic audience, usually to a foreign audience. So somebody might be saying, well, I can't report this on the record because, you know, the army doesn't want you to know that we have these active weapons in this part of the theater, right? Uh, but that person, that anonymous source, is like employed by the general. And the general said, you know, make sure this gets out. Yeah, let let those guys know. Let them know they're not the only ones that can cause headaches and vertigo with sonic-based weapons. We just, we need to, we need to uh, wave a flag real quick, right? Yeah, dude, totally. So it could be the source was just making things up. Absolute baloney. It could even be a member of the finders playing an elaborate game, a social project. Maybe it's another prank. Whoa, I never even thought of that. Maybe Petty himself, through a proxy, spread this idea. Oh, boy. Of the return of the CIA. But we do know, according to the customs documents, the CIA did, it, did go in there once. And this leads us to um, the weird... Conclusion or wrap-up. So in later years, the finders moved to a town called Culpeper, Virginia. They became known for their eccentric activities. They walked around. They, you know, they spent a lot of time there. Uh, they owned an old theater, and they were best known for uh, writing bizarre messages on the old theater marquee. Remember we mentioned a marquee at the beginning of the episode? Mm -hmm. Well, boom, boom, boom. Now it paid off. Uh, these were not your uh, typical messages. There were there were things that were kind of funny, like free money. There were things that didn't make much sense, like Spycraft, a great game. Where your money is, there is your life and love. Mm-hmm. And they <laughs> they go on uh for years doing this kind of stuff. And Petty lives there. He's pretty comfortable. He strolls around town just seeing what's up, sending people to games. And then after his death in either 2003 or 2004, the group, which may have continued in some way, largely disappeared from the news, from the media. And most reputable sources currently agree that the finders were more an experimental community made for their own amusement. Instead of being nefarious or sinister, they were eccentric and weird and having fun. And if that is the case and they're not hurting anybody, we cannot and should not um, denigrate people for living life as they wish to live it. As long as they're not abusing children. Right. And however, despite all that, despite all that, which is very fair on our part, it is still true that the CIA did intervene at least once in the investigation back in 1987. Why? We still don't know. That appears to be the stuff they don't want you to know. Why? If you are a member of the Finders or if you've been associated with them, we would love to hear your take on this. Yes, please. Do you have a theater somewhere we could visit? We'd love to. Are you from Culpeper, Virginia? <gasps> Let us know. Uh, or have you been through that part of the world? We would, we would like to hear your stories. Um, Do you have a, a story of a cult or maybe a, an experimental social club that mm -hmm. you've been a part of that you'd like to tell us a story about? We'll keep it anonymous. If you want us to. Yeah, absolutely. You can reach us several ways. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. Our Facebook group is a great way to uh, bring your own perspective and feedback from an episode to your fellow listeners. It's called Here's Where It Gets Crazy. Our Instagram is Conspiracy Stuff Show. Uh, you can see my own adventures and misadventures personally at Ben Bolin. You can check me out at Embryonic Insider, um, where I post pictures of nerdy stuff uh, like my cat and um, occasionally my kid. And you can find me at Kylie Jenner. Uh, that's just where I like to post a lot of my makeup. You so. are blowing up right now, my friend. Yeah. Well done. I mean, Except you that egg kind of got more hits than you, though. You yeah, earned it. I really don't care. The egg is, you know, so yesterday. Well, mm -hmm. Whatever. Yeah, totes. Anyway, uh, if you don't want to do any of that stuff, you can give us a call. 
you can leave a message and you might get on the show. Our number is one eight three three. S-T-D-W-Y-T-K. That's just an acronym for stuff they don't want you to know. Uh, you can figure that out, too. There are actual numbers involved, if you wish, uh, to call. <laughs> and if you don't want to do any of that stuff, you can just send us a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at HowStuffWorks.com. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Whoa! I won again. I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of 1 carat plus and receive a free natural 1 carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Overspending on Amazon? Earn while you shop with Drop. Earn rewards on every purchase, online or in-store. Download Drop now and use code DROP11 to get $5 in points. Get rewarded for shopping today. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality potency and consistency scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality visit lazarusnaturals.com today lazarus naturals committed to improving your life as well as the world around you not available in idaho iowa or south dakota 